Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest in the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have Scott Commoners on the line, and he is a Seraphim Rock professor at Harvard University and also a research partner at A16Z Crypto. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. And I got to add one more thing to your intro and author of The Everything Token, How NFTs and Web3 Will Transform the Way We Buy, Sell, and Create. So uh, for all my audience that have been with me for a long time, you know I love talking about books and promoting authors. So we're definitely going to get into this book. Super interesting topic. Um, but before we do all that, We'll start this episode the way that we start them all with our Mission Matters Minute. So, Scott, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's what we do. Scott, what mission matters to you? Uh, that's an extraordinary question. So, personally, I've always thought that my mission is to try and help as many people achieve their potential as possible. Um, you know, it's it's why I teach, right? Like it's it's why I advise students. Um, it's a big part of all of my, you know, sort of you know, the the objective of my research and work and market design. Um, you know, factors into why I why I co-author this book. But but really, like I just always I see in everybody, or I or I aspire to see in everyone the maximum person they could possibly be, and I try and help everyone like move a little bit closer to that maximum on the margin. Hmm. It's great. I love bringing mission-based individuals on the line and on the show to share, you know, their mission and also what, what they're up to, what, what kind of projects they're working on. So the everything token, like who, who roped you into doing a book, Scott? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. So my co-author, Steve Kaczynski, and I wrote the first Harvard Business Review article about non-fungible tokens, NFTs. Wow. And yeah, it was it was wild. I mean, it was, you know, um, a lot of like right place at the right time sort of by accident. Like I I was starting to learn about this stuff and, you know, had made friends with Steve, you know, entirely through NFT communities and culture. We met on a on a Twitter space hmm. um, and we'd start, you know, we'd, we'd started sharing articles and, and things we were reading with each other. And then, you know, got this opportunity to write this HBR and and reached out to Steve again, who was like almost like a total stranger at the time. Like, you know, we, you know, we, we, we were Twitter friends and he was like, Oh my gosh, that's great. Let's do it. Cause like, he was like the only person I knew who could like really like had the experience in the space yeah. and like could help me learn as, as, as we were going. And so we wrote this article and then as you know, we were really lucky. It resonated a lot with people in the space. It, it sort of like started gaining traction with, with the broader business community and then we just kept getting questions, right? Like, okay, so like, how do we, you know, how do we build around NFTs? What do we do next? Hmm. Um, and we found that there were sort of a, a stack of common questions and, and beginnings of a framework for answers. Um, and then, uh, you know, sort of eventually, you know, a few months later, like realized maybe it was a book. And then I guess so I'll, I'll say one more like silly story. Um, I, for long, a very long time, had this, had this really good friend who happens to be a book editor. Um, hmm. And, you know, we reached out to her and said, look, you know, we, we don't, never written a book before or don't even know if this is a book yeah, like yeah. you know but you tell, you tell you the idea she's like oh my gosh yes like this is totally a book and then it just like fell into you know all the pieces fell into place super quickly after that it was we were extraordinarily lucky and, and privileged to be there at the right moment how many quests how many times do you think that friend gets that call 
<laughs> they're like they're from someone else. Like, and how many times do you think that friend has to say, "Yeah, I hate hate to break it to you, but that's not a book." <laughs> no, exactly. Like, uh, you know, we were totally floored, and like, um, and as I say, I mean, it was just like you know, yeah, extraordinarily lucky, right? Like, there there were right. You know, we'd written the first article, you know, the first HBR article, and there weren't sort of a lot of mm-hmm. clean and organized business insights on NFTs at the time. And so it was it was very, you know, idiosyncratic and specific. And, and I'm sure you're right. Right. Like, but on the yeah. other hand, I'm sure he gets lots of calls that turn out to be really cool books. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's bo- there's both sides of that where my head goes, though, is like that friend's like, uh, you don't want to let your friends down. But but the good thing is you had a great idea and you had a proof of concept of of, uh, of demand for that through HBR. So that's that's awesome. And so thinking as the book, take take me further down this path of story. So you're you're you, you got this. You're at now the editor says this is a book you have a, a, an amount of your I mean you're a professor and a researcher so I know you that that's not that's definitely within your skill set um, where do you go where, where do you go now to get this thing to get this thing complete how, how what happened next well I mean so it's first of all it's funny you say like you know, you know it's within my skill set right like you know mm-hmm. I had never written a book before Stephen never written a book before I meant um, the research part tr- the research part right oh yeah that's- yeah, yeah the, the research <laughs> Exactly. It turns out though there's there's a there's a lot of, of stuff that happens in the interim, uh, mm-hmm. you know between between the idea and like really distilling. You know, so first of all, one of the charges, you know, our our you know both our editor, my my friend became our editor, uh, Mary Sun, uh, mm-hmm. and and the team at the publisher. Shout out Mary for taking on these first uh, first time publishers. Shout out to Mary. Go ahead. <laughs> Heck yeah! Tremendously our grateful. Time writer, rock. Me, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for everything. Um, the, um, you know, so first of all, the the publisher, like she and the publisher, really pushed us to mm. think of this as a book for late adopters, right? We, we were both heavily steeped in NFT culture, and we were doing research. We were like, you know, meeting people in the field and like spending a lot of time doing ethnography and, and collaborating, and even like helping build various NFT projects. But the broader audience is. is the wider business world, right? Like, you know, NFTs are a core component of Web3, which is yeah. a new model of, of internet business. And the goal was, was as much to explain to them how all of this works and what the potential for their companies, you, you know, might be, as it is to help the people who are already immersed in Web3 and NFT culture, like, you know, sort of take it up to 11. And yeah. so a lot of the effort was in, distilling and organizing everything that we were seeing and everything we had come across and trying to both translate it, right? Like, you know, bring in analogies and, and, you know, lead applications that are, that are sort of going to appeal to the broader, uh, you know, to the broader business audience and help people understand like how NFTs could be useful while at the same time, like trying to actually, you know, provide a, you know, almost a, a, a blue, you know, a blueprint, a, mm-hmm. you know, a playbook for how you actually, you know, build a business around NFT tech. Hmm. And the um, what do you, what do you hope are some of the big? Obviously, it's a it's it's a big book. A lot of time you spent putting it together. But what do you hope are some of the key takeaways that the readers will uh, will will get after they're done with the book? Great question. So, you know, we're hoping readers will take away what NFTs are, how they attain and and create value, and then the role of NFTs in business and a particular framework for how to make use of NFTs, you know, the a feedback loop from 
ownership to utility built on top of the uh, on top of the NFT assets to identity formation among your 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 customers your consumers uh, to community formation among all of those consumers mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually like how this can drive a brand forward. Um, and then of course there's there's tactics there's some funny stories there's a lot of uh, let me put in a shout out for the footnotes. Uh, we had a particularly fun time writing the footnotes. We even enjoyed writing the end notes. You'll, you'll, you'll find some Easter <laughs> eggs in there if you read them really carefully. But, but the, the main story is what NFTs are, how they create value, how businesses can use them, and how they can find success. Hmm. And I think, to me, I think NFTs get a bad rap. I know my audience, I might get a couple emails that says, Adam, what, what are you talking about? It, it's well-deserved rap. There's just people with, you know, these images and these apes and all this other stuff. But when you think about the utility, the community component, like all these things, like, like, where, where do you sit? Because you're, you're more knowledgeable on this one than me. But I just know based on the people that I talk to, like there's just so much more behind it. And I've even seen some people, they still have their, in, in, you know, their NFT and their token function of it. But I've seen, I, won't, I shouldn't even use the word pivot, but I should say an added component such as a mm-hmm. membership club and just other benefits and things that are tied together around these really robust communities and the tokenization of all of that and this um, and this feeling of belonging. So I've seen just so many models. Like, where do, where do you stand? Obviously, you wrote the book, so you're never going to say that the premise is ridiculous, obviously. But where do you stand on this? Like, give us some of your insight. No, um, you know, great question. And indeed, I'm not going to say that the premise is ridiculous, but I will certainly say there have been some ridiculous uses of NFTs. Um, you know, first of all, I think it's important to just establish concretely what an NFT is, right? Mm-hmm. A, a non-fungible token is a digital ownership record that, and, and when we say an ownership record, you can think of it as like a digital deed. Crucially, it is owned by a unique account, often called a digital wallet. Um, and so you can use it to define the owner of something else, a digital image or media file, uh, as you say, a membership, a ticket to an event, um, mm-hmm. all, all manner of different assets could be linked to it in the same way you can link, you know, a house to a deed or a car to a deed or something of the sort. And what's different about NFTs relative to previous incarnations of digital goods, right? We've had digital goods since the inception of the internet and, and before, but mm-hmm. Previously, it was really difficult to build markets around digital goods without encasing them in a single platform, right? And if you think about, you know, you might have collected digital trading cards, but they live inside the game or, you know, the game or, or platform that created them. You know, you have digital music files, but they live inside of iTunes or, um, you know, or Amazon or something of the sort. And the fact that these goods have had to live inside of platforms restricts the user's ability to use them as they see fit, right? You know, if you have a CD, you can play it in any CD player you want. You don't have to play it in iTunes, right? In the, in the right. Apple-provided CD player or something of the sort. Um, and also, it restricts the different functions that can be built on top of them, right? If someone wants to, you know, do... It's very hard for a third party, for example, to interact with your music collection. So you might have built up, like, you know, a huge collection of Taylor Swift uh, CDs, or sorry, Taylor Swift uh, files, MP3s or whatever, but Taylor Swift has no way to like, you know, reward you for that behavior. Right. So NFTs create digital assets that have sort of a little bit of the physicality of physical assets in the sense that they can exist independent of any given platform. 
uh, and they have a unique owner. So you can control like which platforms use your NFT and you can move it from places to place, you know, from place to place. So it's, you know, an NFT associated to a media file, you can plug into whatever sort of display or player apparatus you want the same way as you would with a CD. Uh, and then, as you said, it's possible to build tremendously flexible value on top of that, right? So, uh, you know, Steve and I use this example in the book, you know, an NFT that's a ticket to a sporting event can become the anchor for, you know, a full, a full rewards program, right? You know, uh, you, you collect an NFT, it's a ticket. By the way, why would you use an NFT as a ticket? Well, we have a huge problem with buying and selling digital tickets, which is that if, you know, you don't know if someone else has sent you the, sold the same QR code to, you know, they're selling you to like five other people, you know, now there's a unique asset that represents that ticket. But also once you leave the game, the QR code in your email doesn't do anything, but the NFT continues to persist. It's more like a physical ticket stub or something of the sort. And it exists, you know, many of these exist on open blockchains. These are public networks where people can add value on top of them. The team can like, you know, uh, airdrop you. It's sort of like a direct deposit or an email. They can airdrop you, um, you know, coupons to future games or some sort of like, you know, moment for sports memorabilia from the event or a third party uh, you know, like a restaurant, you know, sort of some other business in the area can similarly verify that you hold an NFT ticket, an NF ticket, and create value on top of it. And then, as you said, that can drive a form of community formation, right? So like once you have a digital asset that can be sort of a component of your identity in digital space, um, people can add value on top of it and that can drive further identification with it, right? You're sort of, the more you interact with something and, you know, the more attached you are to the value you're getting from it, the more it becomes part of your identity, right? Maybe now you take all of those tickets you've collected and you create some sort of cool digital display and show it off on all of your favorite social media platforms. And also, again, NFTs are software. You can use them to find other people with similar interests, right? An NFT fundamentally is like a, you know, it's sort of a, a little piece of a network. You know, all the people who have tickets to the same game in principle, like, you know, sort of, they have shared interests, they have shared enthusiasm, but with a paper ticket, you have no way to find them and you have no way to like coordinate. Now, so a third party, anybody who wants can create a, you know, a fandom channel or something of the sort that's gated by those tickets. And that can create a place for fans to congregate and, you know, sort of commiserate over, uh, over losses or celebrate big wins. Um, and so NFTs enable this whole, we call it a staircase from ownership. They, they, they're a better solution to define ownership of digital goods, but then they can be given multiple software functionalities, both by their original creators and by third parties, what called utility driving formation of individual identity around the assets and then eventually community identity and collaboration. I see it. And I've seen the other side of individuals using them properly. And this is what, uh, this is what I like to tell um, my audience is they're not going away just because you're, you haven't, you're not seeing, you know, the apes and the, this and the, that in the media every day or on Twitter every day, depending on what circles you're in, right. There's still very vibrant communities and there still is a lot of action, but mainstream media isn't reporting on it every single day as they were inundating us for, I don't know, a solid year or so. Um, so, NFTs aren't going away. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I so first of all, I think they're not going away, but I do think they're evolving, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
just like with the early internet, like a lot of the early NFT experiments were, you know, poorly thought through or, or, or at least not fully baked. Uh, yeah. So some of them were unsustainable. Um, you know, of course, many of them, again, many of them also were great and have succeeded. But like with any new general purpose technology, you see a lot of experimentation. And we saw and also the early adopters of those technologies don't necessarily look like the broader consumer market. Right. Yeah. One of the you know, one of the core features of the early NFT market is it was very heavily anchored on small supply, like very high value assets. Mm-hmm. But in practice, like most collectibles, right, and, and, and often facing bits of the collectibles industry, most yep. collectibles in practice are, you know, your dollar souvenirs or your like seven dollar packs of, 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 you know, Pokemon cards or something of the sort. Yep. And so when you think about how this uh, technology broadens out to the main sort of to the mainstream consumer market, it's going to change shape. It's going to morph. We're going to see the same t- underlying technology used in you know, much more broadly accessible uh, ways and, you know, new business models built around that. And I should say, we're already seeing versions of this. Like my, my co-author, Steve, is, um, you know, head of community for uh, Starbucks Odyssey, which is their new NFT-based rewards program uh, currently in beta. And there you have people collecting coffee rewards in the form of digital stamps, which then anchor sort of like other other reward features. Um and this is, you know, sort of a, a pilot of a mass market gamified reward program that has a very well-defined business purpose for Starbucks, mm-hmm. uh, right? Like one of Starbucks' biggest challenges, ironically, they're such a well-branded coffee company that it's hard for them to actually sell more coffee. Yeah. Right. You know, it's sort of everyone knows Starbucks, you know, sells great coffee or, you know, everyone knows Starbucks sells coffee. They might have opinions about whether it's great or not, but like in particular part. They've already formed their opinion. They're aware of it. What this loyalty program does, but in Starbucks Odyssey, it challenges people to explore, you know, sort of aspects of the brand they might not have previously understood. You know, they watch videos about, you know, sort of how coffee is produced and like how Starbucks sources it. They participate in, you know, fun games. I, I, uh, I went through a pumpkin spice Halloween like uh, augmented reality maze. Uh, and learned a bunch of facts about the history of the pumpkin spice latte along the way, right? This is like totally wild, but it changes your understanding of the brand. And again, at the same time, it like inculcates a a deeper identity as a Starbucks customer. Hmm. And so these types of applications, I think we're going to see more and more of, but they're going to look pretty different from what came before. They're, they're more complex. They're, uh, often targeted at a very broad market and they integrate directly with, with brands existing uh, business strategies. That's a great way to end it, Scott. Um, first, thank you for coming on the show. Second, how, how can people pick up a copy of your book? Cause I know we're, we're barely getting started here, but that's a great way to end it. How do people get a gra- grab a copy of that book, Scott? Um, well, first of all, uh, you can find it anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon, uh, you know, bookshop, uh, your local bookstore, all of the above. Uh, you can also head to everythingtoken.io, uh, where we have, you know, more information about the book and, uh, you know, sort of links to buy and links to both Steve and my accounts. And you can follow us on, uh, you know, sort of Twitter, Farcaster, wherever, sorry, X, Farcaster, wherever, uh, at S Commoners and at NFT Bark.
Perfect. And uh, so thank you again. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hey, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, I highly encourage you to do so. Don't be scared. It's just a subscribe button. Come on. Um, lo love to have you back to listen into some more episodes because we do have many more mission-based individuals coming up on the line and we don't want you to miss any of that content. Um, thank you again for tuning in. And Scott, thanks again. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You too.